Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. So it dawns on me that it might be wise to explain that interim uh, rectors don't just show up every other Sunday. That's, that's, not, uh, that's not typical, that's not normal, that's not the way it is. Um, but the way it unfolded for us <clears throat> was that we already had Thanksgiving plans with our daughter and family in Ohio, and so we were gone last weekend. And so we will be here, we're not just every other week, so don't expect that uh, sort of pattern, um, but it's great to be back this morning and to be here with you, and if you will, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open the Word of God to the people of God, that this season might speak to our hearts as we prepare to welcome your son Jesus uh, in his return, and we ask it in his name. Amen. So while waiting in a Nazi prison in a cell in 1943, a few weeks before Advent, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote to a friend. He said, a prison cell in which one waits, hopes, does various things, and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of Advent. Shortly shortly after writing those words, Bonhoeffer was executed. Doesn't exactly sound like the most wonderful time of the year, does it? I spent many years of my ministry teaching, explaining, and reminding people that the 12 days of Christmas is not a countdown of shopping days left before December 25th. This season of Advent is widely misunderstood and frequently lost in the overwhelming cultural holiday season. But for us this morning, we're once again embarking on this new liturgical year, this, uh, this season of Advent. One of my favorite Peanuts cartoons is a conversation between Lucy and Charlie Brown. Lucy says, life is like a deck chair. Some people place it so they can see where they're going. Some place it, place it so they can see where they've been. And some place it so they can see where they are right now. Charlie Brown says, I can't even get mine unfolded. (laughs) As we embark on this season, this Advent, I found myself thinking about um, and reflecting on a couple of previous significant, well, let's call them Advent seasons. Like you, I'll never forget the Advent seasons during the pandemic. There were no holiday greetings, right? Friends didn't come to call. There were no parties for hosting. It was not the most wonderful time of the year. But I also remember, a way back now, um, the the advent before Y2K. And likewise, the advent after 9-11. And I want to suggest that each of those had an impact on how we understand and celebrate this very misunderstood, antiquated for some, 
and from the cultural's perspective, irrelevant season. And so we arrive at Advent 2023. And though perhaps not as Advent, not as headline-grabbing as those other years, I think if we look around, if we take an honest look at what's happening in our country, to families, our culture, if we look across the globe, I think the season of Advent can truly reorient our lives and give greater meaning to our celebration of Jesus' birth as we await his second coming. Now, one warning, if you have come this morning for a bit of escapism, um, that holiday feeling, um, I'm sorry, you're going to have to listen to that on the radio station playing only Christmas music. But you see, I'm sure you picked up on the lessons this morning, that those lessons that we've read this morning really hit us in the face. They really take away any thought of that that sort of happy-go-lucky feeling. They catch us in the reality of our lives, where we live and where we have our being, is what I would suggest. And see, this honesty is one of the most significant aspects for me of our Anglican liturgical tradition. The fact that we do have this season of Advent. I was reading again Walter Wanger in Junior's book. He calls it Preparing for Jesus. He was an American author and pastor, best known for his novels and some children's books. He died in 2021. But writing about his own life in that rhythm of the Advent beginning, he says this. He says, the number of years of my unfolding age is also the number of times I've traveled with my Lord from his birth to his death to his triumphant rising again. Because it has surrounded me like the weather, because it comprehends me as a house does its inhabitants or a mother does her child, the life of Christ has shaped mine. My very being has been molded in him. And he goes on to say, because I have experienced the life of Christ with deeper intensity than I have my own daily affairs, the gospel story now interprets for me the world story. It's through the gospel narrative as through a window or a template that I see all things, that I relate to them, and I come to know them. That's where we are this morning. The shaping and forming of our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit into the likeness of Jesus and through these seasonal observances of his entire life, and we look into the future of his return. It was during the pandemic, for, there was a co- word that was coined, I don't know if you all are familiar with doom scrolling. Doom scrolling, you know, we just kind of scroll through to find out how bad things are and how terrible they are. All those negative posts go through social media. Well, it's really interesting this morning that both our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah and our gospel from Mark both address real doom. Real doom. But instead of defeat, doom, and despair, they both point beyond those present circumstances. Instead, they give us hope and give us guidance. And Jesus, in particular, in the gospel this morning, instructs his disciples, what do you do while you're preparing and while you're waiting and while you're coming and everything around you is falling apart? Isaiah chapter 64 is described as the anguished lament of those returning from exile to the ruins of the temple and the rubble of national defeated hope. 
The last two verses, which we didn't read this morning, from chapter 63, kind of capture and set the scene for what we read this morning. The prophet says, Your holy people held possessions for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We've become like those whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. But instead of lamenting, Isaiah boldly calls on the Lord to come down. He says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He recounts the ways in the past that the Lord has come to rescue his people. He reminds the Lord that he is their father. He says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We're the clay. You're the potter. We're all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we all are your people. Things couldn't have been much worse for them. They've come back and they've seen destruction everywhere. And they cry out to God. They don't look at their circumstances. They don't look at how bad things are. They look to the Lord. He cries out to God. He turns the focus of the people in the midst of their circumstances to look to the Lord to their father. While preparing for this morning, I was reminded of something I discovered in God's word a couple of Thanksgivings ago, and that was reminded to me this past Thanksgiving as well. May I just insert right here, I love it when the Lord highlights something to me in his word that I hadn't seen before. Well, the New Testament lesson appointed for Thanksgiving is a very familiar passage, I suspect, to all of us. It's from Paul's letter to the Philippians, A verse, again, I suspect you're familiar with, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Perhaps like me, you've heard, or truth be told, in my case, I've been told to remember this verse. Quit being anxious and go pray about it. Especially when I'm feeling anxious. But something jumped out at me when I was preparing and reading this one Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. Now, get a little backdrop here. First, I think we all are aware that scriptures were not written with verse numbers, right? Those those have been added to help us, so they were there so we could keep them there. And what it means particularly for us in this particular example is that what we read of verse 6 is not a complete sentence. That's not where the sentence starts. But we all know verse 6, and we start, do not be anxious for anything, but prayer something. So what is the whole sentence, you might ask, right? Thank you for asking. Verse, it starts at the end of verse 5, what we would call verse 5. The sentence begins, and here's what it says. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Lord is at hand. That's why we're not anxious, Not because of our efforts and maybe our exertion of prayer. It's because the Lord is at hand. Same point Isaiah is making for us this morning to these returning exiles. Turn your focus. Look to the Lord. He's at hand. Don't be anxious. Instead of defeat, instead of doom and despair, regardless of whatever our present circumstances are, the Lord is at hand. A key message for us this morning in our season of Advent. In our gospel, then, it presses in on the significance of the reality that the Lord is at hand. So how do we live? What, What do we do now? 
And it presses in on what I would call the significant Advent theme of a call to be ready and waiting. Ready and waiting. Ready and waiting for Jesus' return. You know, Mark's gospel, from which we read this morning, it has no birth narrative. Not at all. There's no manger. There's no shepherds. There's no wise men. Mark wants to direct our focus to Jesus' promised return and how to prepare, how to be ready. We're in Mark 13. The audience in this particular dialogue is a very small audience. Jesus is with James, Peter, John, and Andrew, and they've just come out of the temple, and they ask him privately about the end times. What will the end times be like? Verse 3 says, He sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, and they asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are going to happen? Now, it's two days before Passover, and Jesus tells them, No one knows No one knows when that time will be. Only the Father, not even Jesus, knows when that time will be. So then he gives them instructions. And here's what he says. Be on guard, keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. In these four verses, he emphasizes that we should stay awake four different times. I'm thinking he was aware there was a problem. He needed saying it, repeating over and over, stay awake. Stay awake, pay attention. We're to keep awake, stay awake, and stay alert so that we can be on guard for Christ's return. A time to draw closer, to align our focus to the promise of his return. Many different times and ways throughout the gospel, Jesus emphasizes to his disciples, and we hear it again this morning. And there's definitely a sense of urgency in Jesus' words. We definitely hear this morning a renewed sense of urgency to live our lives out in the presence of the king, in the kingdom of the not yet, but already here that we live in now. A desperate need for Christ's coming. Our lives should be marked by the calling and crying out to the Lord, come, Lord Jesus. We sang it powerfully this morning, did we not? Come, Lord Jesus. That's the focus that Advent wants to reorient our lives toward, crying out in preparation. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have a hard time dealing with the consequences of our not knowing when that time will come. And it feels to our instant lifestyles that it's way past time for that to have happened. So we figuratively, I guess, fall asleep. We just kind of, well, not today. So I could say that to some extent, Advent is our annual wake-up call. But I wonder this morning, is there maybe more than just a, just, let's all wake up today, because we're going to get tired tomorrow, and we're going to fall asleep again if we're not careful. So let's go back for a minute to something Jesus said to them earlier in this chapter, but it's still a part of this section of Mark 13 where he's teaching his, these four disciples. He tells them, he says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed 
This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. He says there'll be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pangs. As we begin, we're not getting a picture of the most wonderful time of the year, right? When you hear of wars, rumor of wars, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Is it just me, or does that sound like last night's news? Seminary professor of mine taught a seminar class based on the idea that originated with the late scholar Karl Barth. He was an influential theologian of the 20th century. And Barth put it this way. He said, take your Bible in your one hand and the newspaper in the other and read both, but interpret newspapers through the Bible. So the season of Advent might feel a bit out of touch with the world around us. It it couldn't be more relevant. It couldn't be more relevant. Jesus summarizes these signs by saying, these are but the beginning of birth pangs. One author describes it this way. He says, earthquakes and famines kill. Birth pangs issue forth new life. It's a different experience. Earthquakes and famine do nobody any good, but birth pangs are preliminary to the joy of a new baby, something we're pretty familiar with around here, right? These troubles are the beginning of something that's going to turn out wonderfully well. So as Advent Christians, we look at the world and we look at our lives, the challenges, the struggles, the doom and the gloom, the wars, the fear of wars, the rumor of wars, what we see, what we read, and what we hear through a different lens. It's through the Word of God. And through His Word is how we reflect on what's going. And we see what's going on not as that doom and gloom, but as the promise of the hope of Jesus' return. And to help us better understand how to get ready, Jesus included what we might describe as a mini parable this morning, a tiny little small parable. He says he gives this example of his servants who together they're to take care of someone's household. And everyone has their job, including the doorkeeper whose job is to watch the door. The reason that the household can be ready for the master's return is because everyone's working together. Everyone's contributing. Everyone's doing their part. Everyone's encouraging one another to stay awake. Everyone's supporting and loving each other. See, I'd also say Advent's a reminder that we're not solitary Christians. We've been adopted into a family. We are a body, the body of Christ. I know you're familiar with Paul's teachings about the importance each part working together builds itself up in love, how each part plays its unique and distinctive part, and without those parts, it would not function properly. You see, our being here this morning together in worship is a picture of that reality. It's in and through our corporate worship that we encourage and support each other as we wait. Advent won't allow us to drift off into a dream world. It won't allow us to use escapism to face the problems that we see. We may want to escape to that wonderful time of year where Advent says, let's face it head on with the gospel of Jesus. With a profound hope 
that these are but birth pangs, and they're pointing us to Jesus' return. Our lessons are challenging this morning. They call for a radical change of focus, radical change of our priorities. And like the prophet Isaiah, we're to be a people crying out to God to come again as he has in the past. And to his disciples, to you and me, he says, be on guard, stay awake. See the world and life through his word. And when we look at all that's going on in the world and others around us that are fearful and discouraged, we bring hope. We bring the hope of Jesus. Our history is not a closed system. We've never been taught in Scripture to believe that history is a treadmill that goes around and around and around. No, history has a goal, an end. And we're reminded of that in the season of Advent. And life eternal with our Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus is the end goal. We're not about doom. That's the exact opposite message of Advent. We're about hope. Hope, the promise of our faith and our trust in Jesus in spite of everything. It may seem to the contrary, but we declare the good news of his promised return. Hopefully this Advent, Jesus opens our eyes, opens our eyes to see the inbreaking of his kingdom now as we await his final return. For the Lord is with us as we wait. And we wait this Advent and until that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we embark on yet another season of Advent. Thank you for the reminder that we wait with hope, with our eyes opened, looking for your son Jesus and his return. And as we walk that journey together, we encourage and uplift one another as a part of this body. In the precious name of your son Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.